Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist, which not many people know about apparently, and I'm a neuroplasticity therapist. And I support people with chronic and complex forms of vertigo, dizziness, or tinnitus, which are inner ear related symptoms and problems that often our medical colleagues get a bit stuck with and don't know what to do with. And taking a neuroplasticity approach to recovery and healing means looking way beyond the physical, which is where we often get stuck. And physical things are like, you know, behavioral exercises, postures, um, diets, medications, all of these physical things that we, we spend so much time trying to figure out the problem. Whereas I think taking this neuroplasticity approach is such a blessing because it invites us to look at what's going on for me mentally, emotionally, and spiritually because all of that is feeding into the physical parts of my being. And so this is really a, a part of functional medicine, integrative medicine, holistic healing. There's so many words out there. And today I have a guest speaker who is really um, educated and alive and kicking and working in the world of functional medicine. Her name is Susan Kenny, and Susan is the co-founder and director of Therapeutic Wellness at Emergo Recovery. And Susan's just informed me that emergo means rising above, which is really what we're all trying to do with the parts of our lives that are difficult. So welcome, Susan, and thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Joy. Oh, it's a pleasure. So Susan and I were just kind of talking a little bit about how even though we're on different sides of the world and we have different backgrounds, we really have the same respect and awe for the brain and how the brain and our bodies really are the, the seed of our life force and our healing. And we can't ignore that the way the brain connects and changes and interconnects and changes again is really creating our reality of what we see, what we hear, what we feel, and how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to the world. So a, a large part of healing for anyone who's dealing with chronic illness <clears throat> is learning to befriend our body and our brain and that that physiological process that's happening within us mm -hmm. and we want to talk a little bit about neuroplasticity today about mindset and about some hopefully very useful tips for helping any of you out there to to begin this process and to ask more questions and start more conversations because i think that's storytelling and questioning is, is a really big part of healing so mm -hmm. thanks for being on the call susan and do you want to tell us a little bit about how you stumbled across neuroplasticity and how you had an aha moment and you're like, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was an aha moment. I was going in direction in life and um, I, I was in education, I was an entrepreneur and then my husband and I were, were working in a private school mm. and we saw really charismatic young vibrant young people who had had struggles they didn't fit in academically and they were feeling a little unsettled the solution through the school and through the doctors was to provide medications and that was it there was there was nothing else that was integrated there was nothing else that was holistic in nature and definitely nothing that addressed brain function and so we would watch these young people really become shadows of of who they were yeah. and and so we set out to find a solution so our background is education we're not neuroscientists we we love love working with young people and we said if you can put a man on the moon why can't you fix a brain yeah. so that was the beginning and i just want to clarify for those of you listening 
when we when the doctors are offering us medications it's usually to offer us some kind of bolster or support at a chemistry level so it's looking at the little traveling neurotransmitters or hormones or whatever's going on in there that are traveling between the synapses of neurons you've got your neurotransmitters going from one neuron to another and that's what the drug is impacting it's either impacting how they're delivered or how the how the uptake is hap- happening how they're received so it's a it's a chemistry adjustment and of course can have huge impact to our lives which is why there's all the warnings and side effects and why for some people there are some benefits so mm-hmm. the working with brain chemistry and drug medication is quite different to looking at neuroplasticity and how neurons mm-hmm. communicate with each other at a broader connective level that's looking at right. the big spider web of of connections right so I just thought I'd make that distinction early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well done. So what did your um, kind of exploration in, well, tell us about how you found about neuroplasticity because that's, that's kind of a neat so, story. Yeah, neuroplasticity, we're now uh, connected with the Amen Clinics in the US, but the first thing that we found was Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a neuropsychiatrist in the US and has a lot of clinics and he he believes in looking at the brain before diagnosing anything. And so he, it was very controversial when he first came out and he does something called SPECT imaging. There were, there was a lot of pushback, you know, when you, when you're the first one Mm. um, and you're, and you're shaking it up a little bit, maybe not everybody wants to hear that. So his book was called change your brain, change your life. And that Mm. topic resonated with us. So we ordered copies of that. And uh, I think we were drinking reishi mushroom tea at the time mm-hmm. and sat and read these books and said, oh my gosh, you know, what we believe that what we hypothesized is, is true and somebody else believes it. So that was, that was the beginning. Yeah. And Talk to me a little bit about the woman who coined the term neuroplasticity. Mm. So Marion Diamond, yeah. she, uh, Berkeley, California, she was a fascinating woman. If, if you get a chance, there's um, a documentary that she created called My Love Affair with the Brain. And she's a beautiful spirit. I think her education series is still one of the number one rated YouTubes ever. And, nice. and so she studied the brain. She was fascinated. She, was, she said, remembering as a child, she was fascinated. So she, what they determined is that if the rats lived in an impoverished environment, so not great food, no stimulation, um, no community, no newness, no challenges, the brain shrank and those rats died very early on. And so what they created was an environment that was really enriched. And so here's the things that that she determined created neuroplasticity is uh, the five things that that we can focus on, one being nutrition. So -hmm. the best food in order to be able to feed the brain is very important. Movement and including breathing. Right? getting enough oxygen and getting enough movement to the brain. Having challenge is really important. Yeah. We are beings that really enjoy being challenged and, and being able to solve problems. So that was, that was the third. She 
discovered that learning and newness was very important to neuroplasticity and to creating new neurons within the brain and new, new ways of communicating. And finally, number five was love, yeah. to be in an environment of love. And so the, the rats um, lived much, much longer and they had bigger brain size. And so size matters, as it turns out, in a brain. <laughs> we want to have bigger brains. And so even as we age, by focusing on those five things, we can create very good neuroplasticity and, and greatness within the brain. And neurogenesis, so the ability to grow new cells as a result of that environment. Yeah, and I think anyone who's been on my my podcast or um, YouTube channel for a while will remember I spoke with Dr. Kate Bain, who works mm -hmm. with um, children with cerebral palsy, and she was talking about the absolute redundancy. So even when there is true damage to any area of the brain, we have mm -hmm. 100 billion neurons and 15,000 synapses on each neuron and so much capacity mm -hmm. to overcome damage and build new pathways, new networks, new connections. And in order for the body and brain to do that, we need sensory enrichment rather than sensory deprivation. Right. And we Correct. see this in all aspects of learning, whether it's language, you know, children who are exposed to words like no, don't and stop, that becomes their vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas children who have read lots of storybooks will have this incredible vocabulary and capacity to communicate because they're exposed to it. Right. They have a sensory enriched language environment. So it's no different actually when it comes to our emotions, our feelings and our sensations mm -hmm. that we need to be adequately challenged, not too challenged to the point of freaking ourselves out and triggering the fight, flight, freeze loops. So adequately, Correct. gently challenged and yeah. enough novelty that's juxtaposed with integration because if everything's new all the time, we have no foothold and nothing's repeated. So it's, it's like this, we need to learn how to pace ourselves and say, okay, well, what do I need today to grow to keep me stimulated and yep. excited? And what do I need today to nurture me, to reassure me, to remind me that I'm loved, this is safe. Yeah. I can make mistakes. Yeah. So it's like, we use a simple elastic. So um, to, to teach our clients, we run a residential program. Mm. And you're right, if you have too much tension and too much newness and too much challenge, and you imagine the elastic between your fingers is going to break. Yeah. So what you want is that perfect amount of tension and then a little movement and a little movement. So keep, keep working, but you're right. Keep, keep renewing the things that you're learning as you go along. Yeah. So just keeping it back to neuroplasticity, it's mm -hmm. so every living being, so rocks don't have neurons, right? Right. Every living being has neurons and neurons are the little communication message pathways that enable us to move, to talk, to think, to breathe. Honestly, anything you are capable of doing, it's because you have a nervous system and those neurons are, are, are sending messages to your toes and your knees and your tongue saying move and bend and this and that. Yeah. And it's, the nervous system is also highly implicated in our visual information the data collected through the eyeballs the ear information and all the data and sensory input collected vibrationally through the ears and so on and so forth with our smell and touch the skin being the largest organ and so when it comes to neuroplasticity we're really learning how to nurture our system nourish our system feed our system support our system and this is the key point i notice most people are missing and i'd love your input on this is 
actually know what you want to build. I mean, you've got all this yes. new potential. If you, yes. if you have no idea what you want to build in your life, you're just going to end up with any old you, you know, McDonald's so Happy right. Meal because you never ordered what you wanted. So it's like you have That's to right. actually know what you're integrating, what you're repeating, what you're building. Yeah. So in and, yeah, you're go right. for it. Sorry, Joy. Thanks. So um, that's what we say. We say you've got to order from the menu of life. And so the cosmic waitress brings you the, the menu <laughs> and she says, what would you like? And you say food. And she says, well, could you be more specific? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want anything with tomatoes. And again, she's going to look at you. You know, could now be specific. So yeah, I actually, you know, we work on that a lot. And for many people, it's, it, be, it begins with a journey of self-discovery. So it's mm -hmm. important to understand what your core values are mm -hmm. in order for you to decide what it is you want. And I think too, from a back to a brain point of view, when there's a rigidity in the brain, then people want to stay in this safe environment and that's where isolation comes in so it's the mm -hmm. idea of expanding that world and and really beginning to dream and, and and letting the pieces come together without fear of failure yeah and i think it's also when you know there's a saying that's like better the devil we know it's like we can get locked right. in these rigid patterns but at least they're familiar yeah. it's like right. well i'm used to doubting myself i'm used to hating myself i'm used to yes. Um, having high expectations and deadlines all the time. So I'm just going to keep doing that because that's familiar and people confuse familiar with easy. Yes. And actually yeah. once we start to go, actually that deadline's not serving me, that expectation is drowning me and giving me headaches and, you know, those self-doubts, they're actually psyching me out so I cannot even approach a challenge because I've quit before I've even tried. Right. So once we start to realize these inner patterns, which are often subconscious, that's the self-discovery. That's the self-study. This is the piece that the expert can't do for you. We that's can it. guide the exploration, but you're the only one to know what the self-doubts are floating in your mind. Yeah. And then it's a process of learning to lean in, work with them and clean up that mental space, gain your mental clarity and have a very simple methodically daily practice to actually build the neural networks that make mm -hmm. you feel the way you want to feel. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And for people in our program, the first thing that we do uh, in the day is an AM routine. So a very structured morning. We start at the same time. That's the recommendation that we make to people transitioning out of the program. But have successes first thing in the morning. Making your bed is a success. You know, <laughs> getting, getting ready and having a little movement and, and having breakfast if you've done those things early on, you've set yourself up for success for the day and, and you're able to challenge a little bit more. Yeah. Which brings me to a, to a, a um, another really important point that I think is often missed in the neuroplasticity journey. So we've already explored, we need to know we have the potential to change. So we've got to believe in the science and go, okay, well, it's worth trying. The next thing is we need to say, okay, well, what do I want to feel rather than what don't I want? Yes. But you, yeah, you can't absolutely. get anywhere going, well, I don't want dizziness and I don't want tinnitus, so that's my goal. No, that's not going to work. You have to know I yeah. want to feel loved. I want to feel in a peace. I want to feel confident. I want to feel courage. You need to know what you're actually desiring to feel. Yes. And, yeah, then, and, 
I'll just keep going with the process of it's then through trial and error of going, well, how do I feel that? And you, you get it wrong sometimes. And sometimes you have a win and you're like, Oh, I feel courageous. Like doing that thing fired my courage neurons. Mm -hmm. Then this is the missing link is celebrate. You have to celebrate your little wins because Mm, the reality is is in any given moment, you don't know how you're going to connect with that neural network and you are literally exploring like a pioneer. And Mm. as you have those little wins, you have to say, oh, well, when I hung out the laundry and I just had the sunshine on my face, I got this real feeling Mm. of being grounded and being competent Mm. and being peaceful. So hanging the laundry out in the sun worked for me today. Yeah. And celebrate that moment without the rigidity of going, well, now I've got to hang it out in the sun every day. Because it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it's not linear. Yeah, going with the flow. Yeah. Do you want to reflect a little bit on any um, any pieces of neuroplasticity that, you, that you've observed in yourself in terms of neurorigidity, shifting through well, neuroelasticity, depends. neuroplasticity? You could ask me or you can ask the people that work for me, and I'm sure <laughs> we get a completely different answer. Um, yeah, I think I... For myself, as I'm aging, uh, and and certainly mindfulness and meditation have, have played a big part in that. Um, studying emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. so I I was more uh, reserved a number mm-hmm. of years ago, and then took an emotional intelligence test and and didn't score as high as I thought I might, and so really working for me, it's it's working on connecting more emotionally with people and, yeah. and listening and and being more empathetic than I have been. So that's been my personal journey of late is is to really tap into emotional intelligence. And if you were to, did you notice in that process of, of kind of going, oh, wow, I'm not connecting and listening and as empathic with people as perhaps I assumed I was or thought I was, did you notice that there was an underlying fear of like fear of really letting people see you or fear oh, of really connecting? 100%, 100%. And then, I was actually just talking with one of my private clients this morning about how pretty much everything comes down to a fear of some form. Like if yeah. there's anything that's not quite optimal in our lives, there will be a hidden fear, yeah. which is why I could ask the question to Susan. So how did you approach that fear and how did you allow yourself to deepen your capacity to to connect at that, that really beautiful, human, rich level that you were seeking. That was your goal. So what did you do with the fear? So my, my biggest fear is we have people who come to us and they literally have done everything and they are at the very, very, very end of hope. And so my rigidity with that was that we have to be perfect all the time. I have mm. to be perfect all the time because any word that I say may influence somebody and and impact them negatively um so there was there was a lot of tension from me being fearful because literally somebody's life is in our hands and we've made a promise to them and the family and when when i started to study more emotional intelligence and it and it's absolutely brain related you know um and and i started to let go of that and i'm starting to to relax that fear and I'm finding that the more connected I am with people the more human I am the deeper the connection and I I thought the opposite was true I thought if I remain very professional yeah that I I would I would serve them 
better. And as it turns out, I, I certainly enjoy my days more. I hope my team is enjoying the interactions with me more, but I know that it's benefiting our clientele and our families. It, it, it's almost coming back to that, that very repeated topic that comes up in so many of my YouTube and podcast interviews of authenticity. You know, when we're in that, yes. that place of being honest enough and real enough, but there is, there is a bit of inner conflict or inauthenticity in how we're delivering or how we're responding or how we're, you know, putting on that professional hat and, mm -hmm. and, and people mm -hmm. feel that. And it, 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 it takes an element of strength, honesty, vulnerability, wholeheartedness, empowerment to actually drop into an authentic place and be who we are in that moment yeah. without the shoulds of how we should perform, how we should speak, yeah. how we should deliver. And I actually remember when I first started thinking about coming out on my own and leaving Melbourne University and leaving the, the safety of that rigid system mm -hmm. and, and developing my own uh, pioneering techniques in working with these clients, I had the same stress. I was like, oh, my God, what if, you know, mm -hmm. what if I can't help them? What if I can't rescue them? What if? And then I realized mm -hmm. quite quickly, it's not me doing the work, it's them. Mm -hmm. And it was yes. so liberating to just be like, actually, it's not my job to fix people. It's, right. it's arrogant and it's incorrect to even put myself in that position. And so to really come at it as a right. someone who's on the journey beside them, I'm doing my own work. I'm an educator. I'm, I'm, I think I'm very gifted at, at seeing when people are on track or off track. I can really gauge where their neurons are at. And, mm -hmm. and so my, my role is to be authentic and to mirror that back to people and reflect mm -hmm. it. And, and, and be honest about what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the human to human connection. In fact, I love this. I'm going to throw this out there. They did a huge big, you know, scientific review of all these papers and all these research. And they, they came up, I can't remember who it was, but they came up with the statement, the most cost effective, the most cost effective thing you can do for your health is surround yourself by healthy people because we are the net result of the people we spend time with. And if you're spending time right. with people who what take drugs, unemployed, distracted, criminal, but you're more likely to fall into that behavioral pattern, even if it's not your tendency, oh, right? That's an extreme. But then if you hang out with people who are spiritual, connected, deeply compassionate, purposeful, self-respecting, you're more likely to take on some of those behaviors and mirror those behaviors simply because you're exposed to them and humans mirror each other. You bring about a great point that I've, I haven't ever shared with anybody, but I think it's the perfect timing. So we get people that are, are can be very volatile. They're emotionally uh -huh. unstable. They they tend to live a, for a, a flare on the dramatic side. And the funny thing is, we they they don't act like that with us. So families are often stunned. Mm. And saying, what do you mean? You know, they're not flying off the handle and they're not using a lot of colorful language. And, um, and you're right. And what we determined was because we we're very calm, everybody is very connected. We're all very healthy. We, we live a brain healthy lifestyle. And so it's, it's funny because somebody might let an F-bomb slip and they look at us and they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the family say, okay, they're actually apologizing for that. But you're right. They're, they're now in a new community where that behavior isn't 
normal. And so they're, they're integrating and they're connecting with our team, which is really, it's really neat to watch. Yeah. And, and there's another interesting study that talks about the benefits of swearing. So actually there can be a lot of stress reduction benefit and there's a great, well, good. F- that must be how I get rid of my stress. Then. There's, there's a great <laughs> F that meditation, which is like, Oh, I've little, heard it. I've heard it. It's, it's hilarious. Great. And it's, it's hard to not giggle and open up yep. with them. So I, language is very important. In fact, in, in our closed uh, Facebook group, the Rocksteady Facebook group, I prompted people to think about how they use language and looking at empowering words versus toxic and unhelpful mm-hmm. words. And that, mm-hmm. I suppose, aligns with your background in positive psychology, which is not mm-hmm. a term I like to use because I like to shift into non-judgment where there's neither positive nor negative. But I understand the, the value of, of the term positive psychology. If you want to share a little bit about how mm-hmm. you... Yeah, positive psychology is the is the science of happiness. So it's it's taught now in universities. It's very different than just basic psychology. Mm. And what what they found is there's certain things that no matter what our economic status status is, gender, geography, all of those things, there's things that really enrich and, and help us feel joy mm-hmm. and connection. And and the number one is deep, meaningful relationships. So positive psychology has identified that in order to live a rich life, it's deep, meaningful connections that are the most important to us. Yeah. And, and arguably deep, rich, meaningful connections with ourselves. Yes. Yeah. That's the first. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you have any um, words of wisdom when it comes to supporting and nurturing the brain? And if, if, there's, if there's anything you've, you've come across in your studies, in your explorations, anything that you think might benefit the listeners, anything you want to share about specifically the brain mm-hmm. or the nervous system? Yeah, and, and there's, some, there's a lot. Um, so I'm going to condense it to things that I think might be very meaningful Practical. for your audience. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we talked a bit about Marion Diamond and, and the five things that she was able to establish for an enriched environment. We know that food is is incredibly important, and when when people arrive with us, the gut and the brain are very connected, and so we've connected that in in mental health and well being. The gut we've got to examine how digestion is working, and because when we were in utero, the the stomach and the brain were connected, and then. They separated and, and they're connected by the vagal nerve. So there's a constant communication. And so the first thing that we look at is the digestive system as well as the functioning of the brain. Mm. Then um, we do high doses of vitamin IV therapy. So we know that if somebody is malnourished and they haven't been practicing self-care and, and feeding themselves very well, even before we introduce food, we we get a lot of great results with vitamin IV therapy. And Abram Hoffer was uh, with Linus Pauling. They determined that high doses of, of vitamin IVs and amino acids will really help the brain and, and bring a, a lot of sense of balance and calm. So we work on the physiological first to restore energy. We work on, on good sleep and a circadian rhythm. And we actually have play 
in the program too. So the, mm. f- the first part of it is really connecting the, the physiology and having people feel experiences in their body that are pleasurable and that's playing games and laughing and, and, you know, interacting physically, um, yoga and, and qigong and things like that, because most of the people who come to us either have physical or emotional pain and that's mm. what they focus on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, I just want to share that we're not advocating IV therapies of vitamins or minerals. However, I think it's, it's very well documented that eating a, a well-balanced, colorful, fresh diet and really enjoying food and having a beautiful relationship mm-hmm. to the way we're nourishing ourselves, the long-term solution will always be to have healthy eating habits and any kind yeah. of vitamin supplement will always be secondary to that. And it's very rarely a quick fix, you know, like I'm pregnant at the moment, so I'm upping my eye and there are times when you just need a little bit of support and supplementation. And it's always useful to get uh, professional support with that rather than self-diagnosing or trying things as a blind stab in the dark. So I I think first and foremost, it's, you know, colorful vegetables, fresh diet, you know, explore what proteins you're eating and and, and, and get the, the, the sensible basics sorted with what you're putting into your body. And then I think a large part of healing with neuroplasticity is really just cleaning up the muck and the confusion and the thoughts. And when you can power it back to what do I want to feel and keep your daily goals very simple. And a lot of my clients want to feel steadiness or inner peace because they're feeling either too much noise in their head or they're feeling uh, the vertigo and the, the movement sensation. So for them, it's really important to find sensations of steadiness, dirtiness, mm-hmm. and peace, calm, confidence. And so that will become their daily practice. So I think it's really important to simplify what you want to feel, have the basics of nourishment met, and that does not need to be complicated. Your body is so robust. And if you start mm-hmm. eating fresh, healthy food three times a day and just you know, everybody knows what junk food is. Just steer clear of it. It's not supporting you. It's not food. Yeah, true. And think about how can I have a nutrient-dense meal or a nutrient-dense snack instead of healthy because healthy is a term that doesn't mean anything, right? Right. Um, keep it sensible. I don't think you need to spend a huge amount of money on the nutritional aspect, but you're a human. You're going to need food and the earth will provide for you. So try and eat real food. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think you, you might notice that that really helps. Also, I'm a big fan of, you know, hydration, water, these simple things yeah. we can overlook. You're full of so much fluid in your system. Keep it flushing, keep it moving. Yeah. You don't want to have buildup of, of toxins and rubbish that you just don't need. Yeah. So these are really simple things you can implement right away. Movement, find ways to move that you enjoy. You were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to add you in the thought process. The nervous system can only process one thought at one time. And so if you have a negative thought, the easiest way to transition out of that is gratitude. And gratitude is much more powerful than a negative thought is. Mm. And the way that that we teach gratitude is it has to be connected in a, in a, a thinking body way too. So it's not just about saying, 
I'm grateful for <laughs> shoes. Yeah, that doesn't engage an emotion. I am grateful for my shoes because they are very stylish. They're really comfortable. And, you know, I feel very grateful that I have these shoes to protect my feet. So you've switched into an emotion, which mm -hmm. now it's impossible to feel a negative thought when you're feeling gratitude. So a simple technique that we use is with people that really battle negative thoughts is a gratitude alphabet. Yeah. And so starting with the letter A and, and thinking of things that you're grateful for with, with the letter A, and especially if they're having a hard time falling asleep, it's a, it's a really nice way to shift the brain. And Masuro Emoto, I don't know if you've ever heard of mm -hmm. Japanese scientists, and so focusing on love and gratitude and joy created water molecules that were far more beautiful and we are made of water. So the more that we can focus on that energy, the, the more the brain changes and it automatically begins to think in those positive ways. I hate to burst the bubble, but I'm not sure that that science was, uh, was validated. However, We've we done the experiments on property and <laughs> they work. With the they, electron microscope? No, with, with rice. So there's a rice experiment that mm. you can do and, and they're identical. And the rice that had, we wrote all kinds of really bad negative words on it, had, had mold like you wouldn't believe. And the, the rice that had very positive words, mm. one speck of mold. So I can, I can show you the pictures. We were blown yeah, no, away I've, I've, when we were doing it. It's a great experiment. But what I was going to say is, is regardless of, of that, um, we also know that when we're contacting feelings of gratitude and love and awe and meaning, it fires different parts of our brain and it activates yes. a different system within our body which enables yeah. neuroplasticity to work. So it's like, um, yeah, I, I, I think... I think there is really good reason and science to to look at, um, again, I don't use positive and negative words because I think it builds in the, the concept of judgment, but rather, is it helping me? Is it unhelpful? So just break mm -hmm. things down into, okay, was this a helpful belief and do I want to spend a bit of time here? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to let it go? Is it is it unhelpful? Is it hurting me? Is it making me feel contracted and gross in my body? Mm -hmm. So learning to have discrimination, self-understanding, and um, develop curiosity and just notice, well, how does my life change when my mindset changes? And there's, there's plenty of functional MRI studies looking at changes in the brain when people actually work with gratitude or blessings and love more often. Those quadrants of their brain do change in size. So it's, mm -hmm. it's quite remarkable how we can kind of get stuck in these unhelpful thought patterns and the neurorigidity you're referring to. However, we can also quite elegantly and methodically shift out of it mm -hmm. and fall into helpful patterns. Mm -hmm. um, and in that regard, I have so much respect for, for people who have gone through extreme addictions or, you know, histories of um, really what they might consider poor decision-making, whether it be being in sex work or um, being very vulnerable and victimized and, yeah, like heroin addictions, and they manage to get themselves out of it and clean it up, change their brain. And I just think, wow, that's, I have so much respect for people who, who do that deep, deep work because that's, that's, that's incredible. And it is a demonstration of how plastic the human brain is. We can go from very deep, dark patterns into rich, light-filled, helpful, feel-good patterns. 
it's all about how we approach our day and how we know ourselves. Yeah. Mm, thank you so much for your time. And the five things, just to repeat them, on mm-hmm. from Marion Diamond, when we're looking at sensory deprivation or sensory enrichment, the types of enrichments we're looking for are nutrition to feed our body and brain, yep. movement and breathing, gentle, healthy challenges that activate us and stimulate us without freaking us out, learning, novelty, and growth. And we know that growth is really an important ingredient for human happiness and love with really putting the emphasis there on self-love, self-reassurance, self-permission. So that's all internally generated instead of needing that external love or external validation. So there's five really useful tips for anyone out there who's exploring neuroplasticity in whatever way you're wanting to play with it in your own life. Great. So do you have any, any closing words before we, we leave everyone to, to ponder their five dot points? Yeah, I think uh, here's what we know for sure. This is an intrinsic journey. And so mm-hmm. this, any, any sustainable change has to be self-driven. And if it's anything extrinsic, anything that, that is outside of you, the yeah. change is going to be temporary at best. Yeah. So it, it is about doing the inner work and, and focusing on things that w- will, will provide long-term happiness and not, not something that's a quick fix that actually keeps you stuck in the same place. Yeah, which again brings me back to that, that term neuroplasticity means a, a permanent change. Right. And when we have neurorigidity, it's permanently stuck where we perhaps don't necessarily benefit from and then that in-between phase is neuroelasticity where we're kind of putting efforts into some kind of change, whether it's taking prescribed drugs or doing a prescribed exercise routine or we're putting efforts in. Maybe we're talking in the mirror with mantras and saying, I love you, you're amazing, but we don't believe it, right? So there's effort, but there's not enough intensity, frequency or duration for that neuroelasticity to become neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. And so finding that intensity, frequency and duration means that you're you're able to kind of build get over that threshold of bouncing back to where you started and feeling really helpless hopeless stuck and moving into oh my goodness i actually feel the difference now i feel my body changing i've mm-hmm. i've challenged myself enough i'm in alignment i'm believing it it's becoming real and authentic mm-hmm. instead of this kind of inauthentic program that i'm just uh, i'm giving it a go i'm going through the motions but i'm not really connected to it mm-hmm. And and the basics, eat, move, sleep. Yeah. If if you focus on that, that's the ultimate in self-care. And then as stress comes at us, because it's gonna happen every day. Yeah. You you've you've eaten well, you've moved your body, you've slept well, you've done as much as you can for resilience. Yeah. And oh my god, I can vouch for that. And it's like mm-hmm. so obvious now I'm pregnant. If I miss out on that sleep, ah, yeah. Yeah. So it's so true. Like eat, move, sleep, and in whatever way you can connect to gratitude and build self-love. Yeah. So I think that's a really nice place to end the conversation. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Susan. Thank you, Joey. And if anyone wants to uh, look into researching where Susan works, uh, look up Emergo Recovery, E-M-E-R-G-O, Emergo Recovery, and you'll find her. Dot com. Emergorecovery.com is where you can find us. Beautiful. Thank you.
Thank you. And I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. You can visit my website if you are dealing with any form of dizziness, vertigo or tinnitus, and there'll be loads of resources and a supportive community to share the journey with you. So it's a bye for now. Bye, Joey. Thank you.